Good to see all of you out tonight. Glad that you're here with us. Our lesson for tonight, I did finish it by the way, is on creation. And uh, this is the second word in our series. Uh, next week's word is sin, I believe. And so we'll move on uh, to that next week. But tonight we're dealing with creation. And I've got a broad range of thoughts in regard to creation for this lesson. But we're going to begin with God created the world. Brother Joe had the, the scripture reading, the first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And really if we were to just stop there, we would have everything that we need to know about the earth's creation. And of course there's more detail to it than that and it goes through the different days and the different things that God created each day during that week of creation. But we understand that one thing from the first verse of the Bible and how appropriate it is that this is the first verse that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In this one verse there are five different elements of science that need to be met. And all five of those elements of science are found in this verse. Time, force, action, space, and matter. All other specific elements fall under one of these five categories. And God, we understand, was the origin of them all. We might ask the question, well, what was it like before God created the earth and everything in it? Well, we're told in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 that the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Notice some of the words that are used here. Void, without form. The elements that were there were, were in complete chaos before God put them together to form the earth and darkness. Darkness is a deep nothingness, if you will. Have you ever tried to sit in a closet with the light off? Nothing. It just feels void, doesn't it? That's exactly the way the earth was before it was created, or at least the world as we know it. Things were not as they were after God created them, quite simply. There are two Hebrew words that are of great importance in regard to the creation and at least in what we have in chapter 1. There are actually four words that are used for things similar to it, but there are two that I want to concentrate on. If I don't pronounce them right, forgive me. One of them is Athah, I believe it is. It is a verb and it means to do or make. It refers to doing or making in general. This is a word that is used in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 7. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament 
from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. That word is translated in the New King James as made. God made the firmament. Maybe of things that were, were already sort of in place and God made the firmament from them. That's the idea that is presented in this verse. The other word that we might want to take notice of is bare. B-A-R-A. It is a verb and it means to create. It is used only of God creating, never of humans making things. Notice its use in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 21 of chapter 1. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw that it was good. And in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him Male and female, He created them. He created something out of nothing. That's something that man cannot do. Man can make things according to what God has already created. Take this pulpit for instance. It is made. It's a, a very nicely fashioned pulpit. Born many years, probably before I was born. But it was made. What was it made of? Made of wood. Made of trees. Something that God had already created. And so are the elements of this building. The pews that we sit in. The cushions that we sit on. All of these things were made from things that God already had created. Uh, the psalm books that we use have paper in them. They also come from trees. Something that God created. But let me tell you that nothing that man has ever made was created from nothing. It's made from something that God created in those days of creation. Our houses, our cars, even when it comes to things such as mechanics and technology, all of these things are fashioned from things that God created. Only God could create the world from nothing. Even the mind and intelligence needed to make something is created by the power of God and how He formed man. Simply put, Man could do nothing without God. Man would be nothing without God. I want us to look briefly at the idea of evolution. Creation versus evolution. There are certain things that can be described by the word evolution. And these are not the center of my thoughts on this point. 
a child growing into an adult is evolving. A seed growing into a tree is evolving. That would be evolution. We think of the change of weather from one season to the next. We're, we're getting ready, hopefully, to come into the spring and we see a change of seasons. That's evolution. Day turning into night. Those things could be described by the word evolution. But none of them are what is conjured up in our minds when we think of the word evolution. I'm thinking of the, the thoughts toward special, the special use of evolution. What is also described as organic evolution or Darwinism. This use supposes that life began spontaneously or by accident. Another definition, this is from chapter 1 of The Other Side of Evolution written by John Gary Williams. And the definition given there is this. The hypothesis that millions of years ago lifeless matter acted upon by natural forces gave origin to minute living organisms which have since produced all extinct and living plants and animals including man. We often refer to it as the theory of evolution and really it can't even be described as a theory because a theory is based on something that is factual and it's really not based on anything that can be sustained by fact at all. It's more of a hypothesis than anything else. But the theory of evolution stands in direct contrast to the basic teachings of the Bible. For instance, the Bible teaches that the world was formed by the words of God. Plants and animals only reproduce after their own kind. And man is created in the image of God. Evolution, on the other hand, teaches that the world just happened. That plants and animals must reproduce other kinds than their own kind. And that man is not created at all in the sense that he should be created. Much less is formed in the image of God. And that's just a summary. There are several other points that, that I could bring out. But I think you understand that evolution, the idea of evolution, can have no standing with Christianity or the teachings of the Bible. It is in direct contrast to it. Christians are given no reason to even begin to believe the thoughts of an evolutionary mind. And in regard to creation and evolution, Believe one is to disbelieve the other. Either God created the world or He didn't. But there's no way to bring these two beliefs together at all. Evolution didn't happen. 
according to the words of God. I think it is much easier to believe that our world had a Creator. Just as this Bible was formed by someone creating it. As in the pages and the cover, somebody had to put these things together. Somebody had to form them. Um, this iPad that I have. The, the things that are used to make it had to be put together by someone. It's much easier to believe that God created the world than to believe that it just happened. We can believe that God spoke the truth when He said that He created the world. But now let's continue our thoughts. Let's look at God's creation of man. Certainly we understand that just as God created the world, that He also created man. God created man in perfect form in His own image. Notice what is said in Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I think sometimes we get the idea that God created us in His image as in the body that we have. And, and I don't think that's the, the idea that the Scriptures present. In John chapter 4 we learn that God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. I believe that we're created in the spiritual image of God. Either way, it doesn't really matter. But we understand that God did create us in His image. We are given dominion just as He has dominion over us. We're given dominion over the earth and over the creatures of the earth. Man was given one command in regard to a certain tree in the garden. We we'll read in Genesis chapter 2 verses 15 through 17, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. 
But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Man transgressed this command. Notice what is said in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Now we read previous to this that, that the serpent came. Satan came in the form of a serpent. And he spoke with Eve. But when it comes to the sin itself, notice that the serpent is absent from this verse. Who is responsible? Now certainly, the serpent had some responsibility in the temptation. But when it comes to the sin itself, it says that when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. When it comes to the sin being committed, Adam and Eve committed the sin. They were fully responsible for committing that wrong. Especially since they knew better. God had told them not to partake of that tree. And yet they committed the sin. So as we look at man and how he's created in perfect form, what happened? What changed? Man committed the sin. And what God had created perfectly, man changed. Woman tempted by the serpent was without excuse. Man was clear and she crossed the line, her husband sharing in the sin with her. Consequences of their transgression led to their banishment from God's perfect garden and ultimately to the suffering that we endure today. From his creation in chapter 1 to the details of chapter 6, we see that man turned quickly away from God. In Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, we read this. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. What went wrong? What went wrong that changed God's perfect creation to something He Himself regretted? Was it God's mistake? Did He do something in the creation of Adam and Eve 
that, that caused them to sin against Him. What we have to understand from Scripture is that man turned away from God, turning instead to sin. You see, man is granted freedom by God to choose to serve Him or not to serve Him. One way or the other, we are given the freedom to choose God. By the time we get to Noah's day, unfortunately we read that most of the world chose not to serve God. All with the exception of Noah and his family. The world had turned away from God. And as we look even today, we see that sin stands between God and His creation. Not because God placed it there, but because man allowed it to come between. Again, Satan has some responsibility for this division, but ultimately the blame is our own because we choose sin. When we commit a crime against God or against man, we do so by choice. When we choose sin instead of God. It is man who allows sin's power to take hold of his life. When he gives in to lust and pride, Eve was not forced to eat the forbidden fruit. But she gave in because of its appearance and her own desire. In Romans chapter 1, verses 24 and 25, we read this. Romans 1, verse 24. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Man was created in the image of God, but when he allowed sin to come between himself and God, he allowed himself to be changed. What God created perfectly has now been altered from its original state. Of perfection. And what we have now when we look at, at life today, we see an altered version of the man that God placed in the garden. Well, not the same. Because man allowed sin to come between himself and God. And something else that I find fascinating is that God is all-knowing. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. Always with us. 
God knew from the beginning that man's choices would lead him astray. And even from the beginning of creation, God already had a plan in place. He was prepared to send His only Son, His only begotten Son, to die for man. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 10 says this. 1 John 4, verse 9. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. God gave Jesus as a perfect sacrifice because of His great love for us. God knew what was going to happen. And yet He created the world anyway. He knew that it would cost the physical life of His Son. Although He did not die, He still lives today. And we're told also that Jesus will return for His own. And that He will defeat sin once and for all. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7 through seven. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your, mind, your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Obviously, we see that things do not continue as they were from the beginning, because we're not in the Garden of Eden. This is a lie. Something for us to be aware of. In verse 5, For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. From the days of Noah, it's not the same world that God created. Verse 7, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. This world that we live in, it's reserved for fire. On the day of judgment that is mentioned here, the day of perdition of ungodly men. This world will be set ablaze. It will burn.
It will no longer exist. Those who are prepared will spend eternity with God. Those who are unprepared will be lost in judgment. As we look at man, we see that man is left vulnerable exposed by sin. Not like Adam and Eve were. When they realized that they were naked, they saw it as shameful. It was not shameful before, but sin left them exposed. And it leaves us exposed as well. It's something that that will come between us and God if we're not careful. And as we understand that man by his choices has altered God's creation from its original state, we also understand that man has the ability to be recreated, if you will, by God. Notice what it said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 17 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. These are the words that Paul wrote to the Corinthians on this occasion. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. God sent Jesus to die for our sins, taking on our punishment that we might be reconciled to Him, becoming a new creation in Him. When we accept and obey the Word of God, we are changed from the state of sin we were once in. We are changed from that creature that we once were to someone who serves God instead of sin. Himself. We're changed. Now does that mean that we are not without mistakes in our life? That we are, are not without some sin? We do make mistakes. We do transgress God's Word from time to time. But we are different than what we were. Instead of serving self and, and being pleased with being outside of Christ, we want to be different. 
We want to correct those wrongs in our lives. We want to be more like Jesus. A child of God must be changed from his former life of sin. Must be different than what he once was. You see, it's easy to obey the gospel in a sense. It's easy to be baptized for the remission of sins and come up out of that water, but if we haven't repented, if we've not changed, if our lives are the same after we've obeyed the gospel as they were before we obeyed the gospel, then we're not different. We're not a new creation. We're not a new creature. You see, a child of God must be changed from his former life of sin. He must be different than what he once was. Paul says in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We must be transformed from this world. Don't be conformed. Don't be like the world. Be different than the world. If we are different from the world, people will see us and know that we are Christians. You know, we often have the idea of using speech such as so-and-so is a good man, especially if somebody passed away. We often say, you know, hey, they were, uh, they were just good people. I don't want to be known as good. I want to be known as a Christian. I want someone to see me and know that I'm a child of God. Be different than the world. Be transformed by renewing of your mind. How do we renew our minds? By studying the Word of God. By understanding it. By putting it into practice. We renew our thoughts from, from doing things in a worldly way to doing them the way of God. for a purpose that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We prove it by our actions, by our example, by the way that we live. We are to be a living sacrifice different than the world. When we place ourselves in God's hands, We allow ourselves to be changed. And we become a new creation. Now, I don't know where you stand tonight. I don't know if you're a new creature or not.
Maybe you obeyed the gospel, but you've not remained faithful. Maybe something still stands between you and God. Maybe you need to obey the gospel. Come repenting, confessing, being baptized for remission of sins. Whatever your need is tonight, if there's something that is keeping you in the right relationship with God, make it right tonight. See how we stand as we sing.